Welcome to Alternatives to AA. This is Joshua Robinson, and I've been three years sober. And I'm Monique Robinson, and I'm two years sober. And we're here on a mission to help make the difficult journey of sobriety even easier to manage. Nobody in my world ever thought that I'd actually manage to be sober. So now we're taking what we've learned in the last decade to be able to help you too. And we're not against AA. We just need to learn how to manage the other 23 hours of the day. From communication to relationships to self-care, we're going to show you how to cope when your triggers try to take you down. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. to uncover not only how to live without alcohol, but to thrive in sobriety and to swap out your addiction for a better life with the help of Alternatives to AA. So let's go. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Alternatives to AA. Um, Today we're actually going to talk about uh, pregnancy and sobriety. Um, So it should be interesting. Uh, Monique's actually six months uh, pregnant, actually six and a half Mm -hmm. months. And we're just going to talk about that whole journey and the complications and the joys of it, I guess. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. So like for me, when I was younger, uh, one thing I always told myself is if for some reason I ended up pregnant, I knew without a doubt that I would be able to stay sober. I was convinced of that. Um, But the truth is, like, I was almost two and a half years sober when we found out I was pregnant, which was thrilling, exciting. And you know, in two and a half years, you started to learn a lot of your triggers. You started to learn a lot about yourself. So you understand how to kind of keep yourself safe in sobriety. But um, there's a lot of things that happen in pregnancy that are actually brand new triggers all of its own that I never would have expected. And I am just so thankful that I was sober for a while because if I wasn't, I I don't know if I would have trusted myself. I mean, the truth is, I think I probably, like, I would have wanted to stay sober more than ever. I know that. But I think, truthfully, if I hadn't been over two years sober, I almost would have had to go to a rehab to protect myself and my baby. Um, And I say that because, so, the first thing I really noticed, um, so first trimester is, like, that is such a strange time because you're not supposed to tell anybody you're pregnant, but you're feeling all these things. You're having all these emotions, like these hormones are surging. So you're very lonely in some ways. I mean, I'm very thankful I had Josh and, you know, like, so obviously he knew, but he, he's not a woman. Um, so uh, nope, I don't think so. <laughs> so he doesn't understand. Um, like, you know, sometimes with the hormone surges, I would describe it as like your period on steroids Um, because I would get angry and upset out of nowhere for no apparent reason. And I knew logically there was no reason. And I'd get frustrated at myself. I'd take it out on him and it was just complicated. And then the other thing that was really happening a lot in the first trimester was vivid dreams. And I had heard friends talk about how you can get very vivid dreams with pregnancy, but I never realized how real they could feel. Um, So there was multiple nights in the first trimester. I was waking up Josh crying. He's convinced I'd gone to a bar or convinced I'd gone out somewhere. And he literally would just look at me and be like, uh, pretty sure you just laid here all night unless you snuck out somehow 
but I was so convinced that I'd like gone to the bar and I had like three or four drinks and everything um, because the dreams just felt so incredibly real. Like for me, like even, um, so I lost, I lost my mom four years ago. I was even having dreams that she was there and I was so convinced she was here. So like the dreams were just so incredibly real to me. Were they like more real than real life? Sometimes. I mean, that's why I had to wake you up because (laughs) I was just really not sure that I didn't just screw things up for us and our baby. Um, You know, and you know that like sometimes I'd be like crying to you and you'd be like, no, I know you stayed here. I know you stayed here. You were here an hour ago when I went to the bathroom. You didn't go anywhere. Like, but I still didn't want to believe you at first because it was just so real. Yeah. And those dreams, um, especially the ones where I was drinking or even doing some of my old habits, um, even drinking at home, like, um, because I was drinking in this house um, before I got sober sometimes. So I was like convinced I had done it. And there was like nothing to talk me down there for a minute. Like, there really wasn't. But, like, and we, you know, most of us know at this point that alcohol and pregnancy is just extremely, extremely dangerous, um, let alone other drugs, too. And I imagine if, like, I've never been addicted to anything but alcohol, but I do imagine that if I had been addicted to other drugs, I'd be having similar dreams about those, too. Um, And just so vivid. So, One thing I was thankful for is once Josh was able to talk me down, because I was two years sober, even though it did bring up some of the cravings, like, um, I did sometimes feel that familiar almost burn in my throat that I used to get from drinking too much vodka. Um, Because, again, it was just so real. Um, But because I learned so much about myself at that point, I knew I could, you know, get past it, move through it. But I fear, um, and I fear this for a lot of people who are going through this, a lot of women uh, who are going through pregnancy, who are newly sober and things. um, I just wonder how, like, how strong of a pull it is for certain people. Because for me, I fear that, like, if I had just been brand new sober, could I have stopped myself without going to rehab? And, you know, especially when those dreams are happening and those triggers are kind of, like, reoccurring, the importance of a sponsor or the importance of a family member, a loved one, even a friend who really understands the depth of addiction is so important at that time. Like if I didn't have Josh during that time, I would have been lost. I don't know what I would have done because there was definitely days where I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I'd never do it again, but I wanted to. And that was frustrating. Yeah. If there's like no one there to like keep you accountable, Mm -hmm. you know, then it could be very easy well, okay, I'm just going to have one drink. This won't actually hurt the baby. But even one can hurt the baby because, you know, the baby's so little mm-hmm. that, you know, if you have one drink, that's like giving the baby 10 drinks. So it could be very easy to just, like, you know, trick yourself, which, you know, mm-hmm. everyone that has an addiction problem, you know, they logically trick themselves. Yeah, and I mean, there are many times 
before I got sober that I would say to myself, I'd have one drink, but I'd still go out and buy my normal amount of alcohol that I'd buy at the liquor store. You just needed to buy one of the little ones. Yeah, I really should (laughs) have just bought one of the little ones, but... Because you know you're going to drink more after. But I I still went and bought two handles of vodka because that's what I'd get at the store. And, you know, again, the logic, there's no logic in that. Like, I said to myself, one drink. And like you just said... If I gotten one of those little shot ones, like maybe I could have gotten away with it. But I think my body even knew, like I I teased that I'm like the Pringles bar, like the Pringles commercial, you know, like once you pop, you can't stop. (laughs) Like, and that was it for me. Like anytime I broke my sobriety, it was never just one drink ever. I would tell myself it would be one. It was never just one. So just any sort of risk to your sobriety in pregnancy is terrifying. And I thought once I got past a year and once I got even past two years that like I understood these things, you know, and I know that's a little cocky for me to say, but like I thought I understood my triggers, but I never realized the power of even my dreams and things like that. And one of the new things that was also triggering me which I also never expected to bother me so much, was food limitations. Which, which like, a lot of people don't adhere to nowadays. But, yeah, I mean, it is, it's it's better if you, you know, are cautious with your diet. Just, right, with pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. But I never thought that would bring up kind of, like, new sobriety for me again. And what I mean by that is, I mean, first of all, I did use food to cope with me not drinking. So sometimes I would use certain like just random foods to kind of entertain myself instead of going and having a drink. So that truthfully might have been part of the issue. Because you didn't didn't, like completely, you traded one addiction for maybe a less harmful one, but it's still an addiction. Yes. And you needed to get more towards like, you know, the actual root of why do I always have to overdo it? Yeah, no, and that's true. But again, like at the two year, two and a half year marks there, I had thought I understood myself and like I hadn't been using food as a coping mechanism for at least a year at that point either. True. But it was the being told I couldn't have certain foods that really, really started to make me feel like when I was told you can't have alcohol, but everybody else can, you can't have. So like, it was silly and it still is. It still gets to me, but like the silly thing of you can't have an Italian sub because you can't have lunch meat, but everybody else can. You can't have sushi, but everybody else can. Like that was very triggering again for me because I was like, what do you mean? This isn't fair. It, it is for the safety of our, our little girl here, and I know that logically, but, you know, especially people in addiction, when we're told no, we get mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get frustrated as hell. Yeah, don't tell an addict no. Yeah. So we found out that we were pregnant two days before a beach trip this summer. And Josh and I always would, there's this little Wawa near Airbnb that we would get subs and we'd bring them onto the beach and we just put them in the cooler and so we'd have them there ready for lunch and i had to make sure that it was only grilled chicken on my sandwich and i was watching josh get like all my favorite subs and you know and because like pregnancy also for a while it doesn't occur like it doesn't affect the guy as much 
especially in that first trimester. So when I said before, like the lonely thing, you know, I have a very supportive husband. I'm very thankful for that. But there's still this lonely feeling of like, you know, and we were at the beach too and I couldn't have this like fish like he was having, you know, not that I wasn't eating well, like I, a great steak is right up my alley too, but I was at the beach. I wanted my fish. Um, so going to see that and then sitting on the beach with my grilled chicken sandwich and he's eating an Italian sub, which never expected that to be an extreme craving but that's been a craving my entire pregnancy but seeing that was like frustrating because again it was like dangling the carrot in front of my face and he didn't mean anything by it he wasn't doing anything wrong it wasn't like alcohol which would have been you know way worse but it still was reminding me of new sobriety a lot where i couldn't have something that everybody else could have around me and that alone was triggering yeah very triggering um so it's just there's a lot of interesting things that happen with pregnancy that we wanted to talk about today because when you're sober and you're fighting addiction and then this beautiful miracle happens to you but you're going through so many changes at the same time yeah. it can trip you up so we wanted to talk about it so that way, you know, other women knew they weren't alone. And I know Josh has some stuff that he wants to add too for the dads, because there's different stuff that happens for the dads as well. Um, so we just wanted to talk about this because it, I don't think it's a topic that's really been breached a lot, been talked about a lot. And I wish I could have found that in that first trimester when I was feeling lonely and like, unsure of myself and everything so yeah yeah like like from the uh guy's perspective yeah, when monique first got pregnant i just thought it was like a dream it was weird mm -hmm. i felt like i was living in a dream for probably like two months like i i obviously i knew i was in reality but the whole fact that monique was pregnant i just still couldn't grasp it because it wasn't happening to me and i we couldn't like see like you know a baby bump or anything like that which is obviously present now. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, like, it was just a really weird time. It almost felt like a dream, like not real. And, you know, it, it kind of triggered me in, in some ways too. Um, especially once, once I realized that it actually was real, it opened up this, I guess, like Pandora's box of my childhood, which I didn't, never really remembered my childhood, but you know, knowing that there's a baby coming and me wanting to be like the best uh, dad that I could be, you know, it, it brought up all that stuff too. So that was very triggering. And I was like, you know, all this stuff was flooding into my head, which I suppressed for like my whole life. And so that was like, you know, good that I had the support from Monique because um, like she dealt with stuff like that as well. Um, so she could listen to me and and I could tell her about certain things, but yeah, it was it was such a interesting time, and still, and I still don't always like. I, I guess at this point, it's it's pretty much real because I can feel the the baby, um, you know, kick and whatnot. We went to actually uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra yesterday, mm -hmm. and when this one guy was singing, she was uh, kicking away, kicking, I could like feel like bump, 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 like 
she was kicking a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So cool. Apparently she likes music a lot. So she kicks a lot to music. And this is only like in the last week where she's really kicking. Before it was much more, I could feel it, but he couldn't. So and this has literally just started happening since, um, you know, the past week where it's now very noticeable kicks, um, which, you know, makes it again, more real for the dad. Um, but again, in that first trimester, you're not showing or anything. So all the changes are for mom. Our hormones are different. Our food diet is different. Um, how we're approaching working out is different. Like everything we do is different. But for the dads, they're just along for the ride at that moment. Yeah. You know, things become more real in the second trimester, more towards the third, um, when it's like closer to the due date. <laughs> so now Josh is really like realizing it all the time and very conscious and very aware of it. But before that, there were times where I'd be sitting there like, you know, my hormones were freaking out. And like, there was a couple of times in the first trimester that I wanted to bring up um, where I went from normal to angry, really angry, which is something that would happen to me with drinking. So that was very triggering for you, I remember. Yeah, I almost um, felt like she was like drinking again. I was like, what is going on? And just like, I couldn't do anything right. And you know, it, it just happens sometimes, but the one time I just, you know, cause it, it was getting a little heated and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to take a walk. Cause I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and that was the best decision, even though like for me, I was devastated at the moment, but it did give us time to cool down before we said something we didn't mean. Yeah. So it was the right decision, even though it hurt me at the split second. But like, you know, 10 minutes later when I cooled off, I was like, no, that was that was good. That was good. Yeah, it was really cool because I I went and sat on a bench, um, and I was just like you know kind of what do I do? And this this guy came up to me with a his dog and he and he, he was asking what was wrong. And I told him and he uh, like he said it'll be okay. And he said he would pray for me, and that was just really cool. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I went to my friend Brian's house and he straightened me out. He was like, it's not about you. You know, forget Josh for right now. It's all about it's all about Monique and the baby. And I agree with that. Um, obviously, you have to take care of yourself. And but take care it, of each other. And take care of each other. Yeah. But it really, you know, there's a baby coming. So, yeah. you know, you can't be selfish yeah. and stuff like that. So, shout out to Brian. He's been on the show uh, two times. And yeah. Probably will for the New Year's uh, yeah. episode or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate that because he straightened me out. And he, uh, he, because he has a seven-year-old or eight-year-old, Braxton. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I think he's either seven or eight. Yes. Um, he's adorable. Yes, he we is. love hanging out with him. <laughs> but <laughs> but so, I'm blanking on that right now. I'm gonna blame Baby Brain at least. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Brian, Brian had all the good advice, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So. And, and it was really good when Josh, the first trimester a couple times, would just go to Brian's house. Um, because again, like I was triggering him and instead of doing something bad, like going to a bar or going <laughs> to like something dangerous. I felt like doing, go, like I was just like, yeah. I don't know what to do. Oh, maybe bar. Yeah. Even though I've been sober for like almost four years. So. Yeah. He's, he's almost four years, which is incredible. 
Um, you know, but at the time, you know, especially because I was behaving very similar to when he knew me when I was drinking, it was very triggering. And I'm just thankful that you didn't go to the bar that you went to Brian's for a couple of reasons. Cause you know, like you just said, like Brian was able to explain it to you because in my hormone crazy time, I was not able to explain the fact that like, I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't help myself, yeah. you know, as desperately as I wanted to. And again, like in that first trimester, you know, you, you could probably tell like one or two other people besides your partner, but you don't want to tell the world because God forbid something happens. I, I just, so I, it's lonely. <laughs> sorry. I just want to say one thing about yeah. like the, like all the, the anger and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not an excuse to be like a jerk or anything. Uh, on the woman's part but it is legit it's you know these hormones do change the way that you think and and feel and all these things and and sometimes it's not controllable the same like when you are drinking alcohol and you just kind of black out right and you're not you don't even know what you're doing um so that's kind of what was happening right yeah no it like it was like i was getting to the blackout stage without blacking out yeah. Um, because I had full memory of it, obviously, you know, but I was behaving like I would during blackouts, which, you know, for me, sometimes I wouldn't remember that. But like for Josh, because he was he was so or is sober longer, sorry. <laughs> um, he is sober longer, so he would fully remember when I was behaving that way. So it was like it was almost like I was drinking but it was literally just the hormones just flipping me out. And I didn't understand it being first time pregnant, never been pregnant before. And the best description I came up with after a while is your period on the bad day on steroids. <laughs> like, you know, like just this such extreme that is just overwhelming um, because your body's just flooded in that first trimester. Um, so that's why I was saying again, without the support of a very supportive partner or a family member or a sponsor, that first trimester, especially for all of us who are newly pregnant um, and are also sober, even for a couple of years, you need the support. You need to have someone there to calm you back down because there was definitely times where one, like I said, I was convinced I drank. Um, which would be just devastating. And two, just not understanding anything and just eat, like when I would get to that point, sometimes I'd drink to just shut myself back down. Um, so like the heightened emotions and stuff, sometimes I literally would drink to just kind of like mellow myself out. Um, so it's amazing how, because it was such a big difference in my body, that that was a whole new set of triggers that I never expected. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I was convinced when I was younger that no matter what, if I found out I was pregnant, I would stop. It wouldn't be a problem, wouldn't even be a question. I don't know if that's true. I I want to say it's true. I don't think so. I don't think it is. I really don't. I don't think I would have had the strength. It's like when when you're in addiction, I can quit whenever I want. Right. I, I just need a drink today, you know. Yeah. I, I can quit tomorrow. I, I promise. And it's just like you're lying to yourself, but yeah, you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's true. Yeah. 
But like if I didn't have the support from you and like the couple close people in our circle that like we trusted to tell early on, I don't know where I would have ended up. So like I can't emphasize enough how important it is for first trimester, especially if you are sober, newly sober, even long time sober to have a couple of friends or family that understand it, that understand addiction, that understand triggers and can support you and just listen. Like, like I said, even listen to the dreams, you know, like knowing, no, you did not leave the house, but just listen to it, let you get it out of your system because the guilt from it, like I was even feeling guilt before I'd wake him up sometimes that I was just such a horrible mom and I didn't do anything wrong except for have a dream, can't control those. But I felt like the worst mom on the planet um, until I could wake him up and he could reassure me like, you did not leave the house. You did not do anything wrong. Like the baby's fine. You're fine. Everything's okay. And like talk me down for a good 15 minutes before I was like, okay, I, I didn't screw up. I didn't screw up. But like the guilt was overwhelming even. And uh, sometimes even when I was feeling guilty, I'd drink just to kind of erase the guilt. <laughs> oh yeah. The drinking works for everything, but it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And another thing that was happening, and this might be just specific to me. I've learned that it happens to like 25, 30% of women, but no one in my circle had had this issue. So I was having issues producing progesterone and it's a very specific hormone that's very important during pregnancy. So I was having to take um, supplemental progesterone. And so I was taking like, you know, the pills and stuff. And at first I liked it because the first set of progesterone pills actually helped with my mood swings a little bit, kind of like birth control. Um, and then I'll explain it later, but it turns out it gets very similar. Um, so when I first started taking it, I kind of was happy about it because I was calmer. My body wasn't freaking out as much. I wasn't taking it out on Josh as much. So it was good. But my body still wasn't producing enough. So we kept having to increase it over time. And it got to the point where um, somewhere around week 16, 17, um, there was a week where I finally actually felt pregnant. I felt comfortable. I felt confident. I felt like good. And then the next week, I had to double the progesterone again. And at that point, it was kind of very unnerving to me because I would go to work, I'd get home, I couldn't get off the couch. I, everything was freaking me out. I was so anxious. It was unreal. And again, this was messing with my sobriety too because like I was having depression, I was having anxiety, I was having um, <clears throat> just like mood swings. Um, and fatigue and like all of these things in the past, sometimes I would solve those with drinking. So it was really <laughs> temporarily like, solved. Temporarily solved. <laughs> yes, of course. But like, like in my head, I, it was like an escape hatch a little bit, but this was going on for about two weeks to the point where like, I couldn't even help out around the house. So I was feeling guilt, even though Josh was very reassuring, like that nothing was wrong. But I just felt so incredibly wrong. And because of that again, and this was, like I said, 17 weeks, you know, like 17, 18 weeks. So now I'm at the point where like I am showing a little, it is obvious I am pregnant to me. Um, 
you know, like maybe not to everybody in the world, but like I knew it for sure. And still I was getting triggered. So that's in the second trimester. And um, so it turned out that people with liver damage sometimes don't process the pills as well. Sometimes it turns it into extra estrogen. So I was acting again like I had been drinking, like couldn't get off the couch, um, just was depressed, anxious, moody, like all these things. So again, like I think that was triggering for you again during that time. Um, but like we were able to talk about it. It's, it's, it's just crazy how, yeah. you know, the hormones can affect things so so like intensely mm -hmm. where her and her nor her uh progesterone levels were still in the normal range but um it was because you were taking the pill and, and that and i had to go through your liver and that it was converting too much to estrogen so you yeah. had like excess estrogen yeah but normal progesterone levels yeah. yeah yeah so it was making me just like extremely extremely like agitated and moody and stuff so during that time we learned that because of past liver damage now my liver has healed itself but because there has been previous damage in the liver that's why it was converting more estrogen um so again this is something to think about with sobriety for those of us if you have to deal with this particular issue so it turned out that i just wasn't accepting the pills very well and so now i have to do a little shot um two times a week which is oh so fun um, but I feel more like myself again. I am back in control again. Um, I am not, everything isn't upsetting me. Cause I mean, you can attest to like, you probably realize like how many more things, but I mean, everything was upsetting me. Like how is the house going to get clean was upsetting me. Um, yeah. So like, I just, I was just like, I'll do whatever, like. Tell me what you need and I will do it because, <laughs> but it wouldn't matter because it was still like, she was just in this state of, of like, I guess like depression a little bit, maybe yeah. or whatever, whatever it was. And I just was trying to get her out of it. So, I you know, I don't want to see your partner uh, depressed. So yeah, I was just like, what do we need to do? And, but it was always just like, um, you're, you're just like really worried about stuff yeah which, which is probably normal to a certain extent oh no it's normal it to have like worries but it was like it was like, like i mean literally like how is the bathroom gonna get cleaned like i mean there's two of us in this house but i just couldn't wrap myself around how the bathroom was gonna get cleaned like it was just ridiculous like every little thing was terrifying me yeah um like how we were gonna set up things for her like that was terrifying me i mean we like anyone who is pregnant there's a million tiktoks instagrams um youtube stuff like we have a million resources these days but i just was terrified of all of them like even the baby like registry for a shower just trying to put anything on that was like sending me over the edge um, which, you know, now I can laugh about, but at the time it really was just totally overwhelming me. But again, with all of that, anytime I was like that heightened in anxiety, I would want to drink. So it was like right there again. And it drove me crazy. Cause I was like, I know I'm pregnant now. I'm four, four and a half months pregnant. Like 
like why is this still happening and the worst was when i was so depressed because i've wanted to be a mom since my brother was born he's two years younger than me um i just always thought that'd be the best thing in the world so the fact that i was depressed while pregnant was scary in its own um so any moms who have experienced that like if you ever want to talk to me about that like please do because that was probably the thing that scared me the most like how would i be a good mom when i was so depressed to be pregnant um you know and but talking it out even with josh was super helpful so if anybody needs to talk about that i'm here um and it doesn't matter if you watch this now or years from now like if you need it i will talk to you about it because that was a terrifying time for me because i couldn't understand how someone who wanted this so badly for 30 years yeah. could be that depressed that like while it was happening contradictory completely kind of like, what is going on completely it just baffled me i mean absolutely baffled me so that was something i absolutely hated <laughs> but yeah so one thing that I would want to mention for the guys is, you know, every month um, there's, you know, new changes and, you know, all those little different things were triggering. And, you know, I've been sober for almost like four years now. Um, but you always have to still constantly work on your sobriety. You know, it's like working out like you can't you can't work out like a, like a savage for like four years and then you know, stop for a year and then think that you're going to be the same, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so you always have to um, maintain that mindset of, of just, you know, you're not gonna, you're not going to give into that. You're not going to give into, you know, the temptations because, you know, it's just going to ruin everything. Um, so especially like, you know, there's a baby on the way, you know, you don't want, um, you know, to ruin a whole, you know, your a whole family just because you're drinking like an idiot or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say anyone who's relapsed is sorry. an idiot though. Uh, take the part off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just, it's a hard time and, and I know it's not over because, you know, I'm, I'm still not as involved yet but once the baby's here and you know you're waking up you're stressed out like my brother's told me about this brian's told me about this um you know you just it's a stressful time and and you don't have as much time for yourself and so you might neglect certain needs that can end up making you like more depressed anxious whatever and that can lead to you wanting to drink um but you just have to constantly tell yourself no because this will ruin everything at least that's what i do mm -hmm. um because i've seen how it it almost did ruin things multiple times and mm -hmm. i'm sure a lot of people um you know have similar experiences with that so yeah it's just um it's a great time it's a lot of fun it's a lot of changes and there's still a lot more to happen it's just starting um so yeah it's, it's obviously like a great um, fun thing but it's not all positives there's still some stuff that you know it's it's hard it's stressful mm -hmm. and uh 
you know, as, as you know, there's a baby coming, um, you need to step up as a, as a man and, and do your part. So you don't want to be, you know, like drinking and whatnot and neglecting your, your, your spouse or, or a girlfriend or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a new step. Once you have, once you know that there's a kid there, it just, it should at least make you mature a little bit. Right. <laughs> like there's some, some people have said like, you're not, like an adult until you have kids. And I, I think that's true to a certain extent, at least in, in the um, like responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really increases that, but it's not a bad thing. So yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say? Um, just that again, I just want to reiterate from both of us, if any moms to be dads to be want to have conversations with us, please reach out because again, I was not really able to find um, different things regarding pregnancy and sobriety together when I needed it most. And like I talked about before, especially that first trimester, I needed it desperately. Um, Now that like many people know, I have a lot of resources, um, wonderful friends to talk to and stuff, but that first trimester is lonely. Um, So I can be your anonymous sounding board uh, for that lonely time. So that way you don't feel as lonely, um, as scared, especially if you're getting these triggers. Um, And that goes for the dads too. Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. And and Monique's done a lot of research. She's like, I don't know. It's like, there's so much stuff about, you know, uh, developing babies that is just, is extraordinary mm-hmm. um just how you know how a baby fits in there and uh, you know how it's pressing on the organs and all this stuff mm-hmm. it's really cool so. yeah no it is a wild ride and i still feel like i'm learning something new every week um and you know anybody who's going through it i'm sure that's how you're going to feel as well sometimes it's even learning something new every day at certain points um but just know that we are here because, again, like it's supposed to be a happy time, a beautiful time. But let's not disregard the fact that we are people who are fighting to be sober. And that is a big, big part of our lives. And we need the support. Mm-hmm. And especially during that time, that vulnerable, vulnerable time, just know that it's safe to reach out. Um, you know, like I said, I wish there was more resources for it, which is why we wanted to do a podcast about it um, to give another voice. Um, so we just hope that this helps even one of you out there. Um, but don't get us wrong. Like we are more than beyond thrilled to be pregnant. We are more than thrilled for our baby girl on the way. We just wanted to talk about some of the things that happen so others others knew they weren't alone um others didn't maybe have to go through it to such an extreme so we just want to thank you guys for listening yeah uh for all that so lastly i would want to um just say if anyone wants to be on the show um if they have like you know an experience you know they want to talk about um that'd be great i got someone coming on like next week his name's aj he's going to be on the podcast he actually uh, worked at a liquor store for a while, and 
you know, I just met him through a, a mutual friend. But yeah, it's like me and Monique have our experiences, but it would be really cool to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of Alternatives to AA is like, what would, what did you do? And then somebody could say, oh, that sounds, you know, that sounds like something down my alley or maybe not. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of pick and choose what would work for you. So if anyone has, you know, their own story of how they got sober, um, you know, just like message me on Facebook or uh, Instagram, Alternatives to AA. And yeah, go from there. I would love to talk to other people and their uh, perspectives. Yeah. So, all right, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Alternatives to AA. If you would like to contact us directly, please shoot us an email at alternatives2aa2021 at gmail.com. We also hope that you continue to join us on Mondays at 6 p.m. You can watch us live on YouTube. You can subscribe to us that way as well. You can leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Spotify. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you please leave a rating and an honest review. We'll see you next week. Bye.